This episode is brought to you with support from StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps a loved one share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Questions like, what is your favorite drink? And what was your dad like when you were a child? I learned about my mom's love for pina coladas, which is fun to know, but also about how her relationship with her father evolved over time. He's 106, and like a lot of men from his generation, he wasn't outwardly affectionate when she was a kid. But when she finally asked him to hug her and say, I love you, he stepped right up. That's huge, because I talk to him every week. We tell each other I love you every time, and he does it with vigor. I'm grateful to my mom for that, and really happy to have the story of how he changed because of her. After one year, StoryWorth will compile every story, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I'm excited for my son to have this book of stories from his grandmother. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to StoryWorth.com slash Nocturne and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash Nocturne to save $10 on your first purchase. You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. love dogs ever since when I was a kid because they are really friendly and I I loved how uh, different they are to us and yet they love us and we love them as well. The interaction is kind of amazing between us. The problem is the religion that the government here forces on people. They have uh, this notion of dogs and many other things as being something untouchable, uh, something inherently bad. Here, right now, most people feel dogs are something dirty. Dogs are something that should not be touched. And even if they are not religious, the mindset against dogs are still there. They make up different beliefs about dogs, like their hair uh, makes your liver stop working. People are very prone to uh, thinking that dogs are very wild and very angry animals and uh, should not be amongst humans. Uh, that's uh, the mindset. However, that's not something that everybody believes in, but because it's something that uh, comes from the tradition. It's almost uh, forced on every person that goes through the system of education and um, everyday life as well. That's Padram. Well, that's what we're going to call him for his safety, because he lives in Iran. Yeah, I live in Iran. I'm 28 years old, and I'm currently uh, doing my master's in cognitive psychology. The cultural 
pressure here is almost changing every day uh, by each politician that comes into power. In Iran, the policies are extremely reliant on religious dogma. Uh, so the government is always trying to push their a set of beliefs and their religious traditions on people. Uh, and wherever it can, it shuts every channel of external cultures coming in. That includes internet, that includes satellite TV, and uh, anything that is not directly under their control. In my country, actually, it's almost very recently that it became illegal to take your dog for a walk. But it has always been something that was kind of enforced using other rules. Things like endangering public health. So if you take your dog in a park and police saw that, they might try to arrest you and take your dog away because you made a public place unsafe. And if any of your neighbors just complained about your dogs, even if the complaint is kind of ridiculous, like saying that uh, your dogs are making him uncomfortable, even if they hardly see it, uh, they could take your dogs away. Added to that, now it's completely legal for cops to arrest you, imprison you, and kill your dogs because just you have a dog and you took them for a walk. Uh, it's even talk of having laws against dogs illegal even in apartments, so uh, you don't even have the right to have a dog in the confines of your own home, even if no one uh, is complaining about them. The religion that the government here forces on people is Shia Islam. Around uh, 40 or 50 years ago, when its practitioners became the ruling bodies of government, they adopted it very strictly. The Washington Post reported in 2012 that Iran was among 13 countries where atheism is punishable by death. Likewise, the renunciation of Islam has resulted in imprisonment and death sentences in recent years. The intertwining of religion and government has deep and far-reaching effects on Iranians in many areas of life. And they have forced this notion of dogs as being something really bad. This notion is kind of forced since the beginning years of education. And it has kind of become the cultural belief amongst people. It became a belief and then it gets the life of its own. For something to be untouchable, it sort of acts like something being dirty. Like if you touch it, you kind of get the dirt on you. The mechanism is sort of like that, but it's more fundamental. When something is untouchable, you should not touch them, you should not get near them, and if you do, you, you should go through a special ceremony to become clean yourself of anything that may prevent you from entering the kingdom of God. There are many untouchable things. 
so pigs are in general untouchables. Anyone uh, who disrespects our holy book is uh, counted as untouchables. If you're a person that don't believe in God, you are always untouchable. You cannot uh, become touchable again. You cannot go into the kingdom of God. And dogs are the same way. They cannot ever become touchables. Despite these religious decrees, Padron remembers always loving all animals, especially dogs. When I say I love animals, it's a very extreme passion of mine. I always read about them and I watch every documentary that I can get my hands on. I'm fascinated by every animal that I can watch. That even includes humans as well. But the most obsession that I have with animals is around dogs. But I never saw it as a possibility to have it when I was still living with my parents. It was the highest form of wildness for me. Dogs in the Iranian countryside are not uncommon. Many people keep dogs for herding or protecting farm animals, but they're mostly kept outside. They're not technically illegal to have in cities. But dogs in cities here are really a rare thing to see in public, especially the city where I grew up in. And when I try to ask my parents to adopt a dog, they just told me that it's untouchable and we can't keep it in our apartment and um, things like that. Pedram was a teenager before he ever got close to a dog in person. When his uncle got one, Pedram would joyfully visit and play with it, despite the prevailing religious doctrine. Until I was maybe 13 or 15. I mostly have seen dogs from the window of a car. That was really exciting for me, actually. Also, I encountered them and saw some dogs living in the bushes here and there and on the road, uh, but the encounters were really minimal. Not until very much later that my uncle uh, bought a dog uh, that I really had the chance to play with a dog and just see how they react to me. One day while still living at home with his parents, despite desperately wanting a dog of his own, Padron was thinking of getting a couple of pet guinea pigs. His mother surprised him, though, by saying that he should go ahead and get a dog and that they would put pressure on his father to keep it after the fact. Oh, that was, that was really weird. I didn't see that as a good strategy, but that worked. In yet another surprise, and unlike with all the other pets Padram had tried to bring home, his father didn't protest. I didn't let myself to believe that it was even possible after we got it. But when my father came home after work, my dog uh, just started to walk on his uh, foot and uh, throw uh, his paws up and down. He's just really cute and really lovable. Uh, and my father at that moment just accepted it. He'd never said anything about getting rid of him. That was four years ago, and Padram and his dog have since moved to another city for Padram's university studies. My dog's name is Kit Kat. He's four and a half. He has been with me ever since he was six months old. KitKat is, I think, five kilograms right now. He is very hairy. Uh, he, his hair are mostly white and brown. He kind of looks like uh, Shih Tzu and 
probably a mix of terrier what he's here kind of cares like a poodle uh, he he's really short with long hairs and beautiful face he's honestly the most sweet most lovable stupid creature out there he he can make you fall in love with him once when we were walking there was a lady coming and it just took five seconds she saw him and she just talked to Kit Kat telling him do you know how much I love you and that's I think is the absolute best way that I can describe Kit Kat he can make you fall in love with him in less than five seconds just by watching how he walks and how he watches you Pedram is not alone in having a beloved canine companion. Since it's not technically illegal, many people in Iranian cities do have dogs. You can buy them at pet shops or on the internet and adopt them from shelters. The practice of having a dog as a pet is seen as one of many ways that Western culture is seeping into traditional Iranian life. And that makes it a very contentious issue. More and more people are becoming open to the possibility of, as they say here, more Western lifestyle. And because of that, it's kind of becoming more dangerous for the government because they rely on that dogma and people believing to justify their actions. Uh, and when people lose faith in those uh, beliefs, it puts them on a shaky ground. Pedron believes it's this dynamic that's caused the government to crack down more on people who have dogs. There are some parks here that are known to be uh, parks that dog owners take their dogs there. And the thing is that although there are many dogs there, uh, it's pretty unsafe because when there are a lot of dogs in the same place, cops raid that place and take the dogs and take the owners. And because of that, you should not really take your dogs to the places that are known as centers of dog walking here because it's just more unsafe to be there. Pedram says it's not that the police are going through the streets looking for dogs and their people. It's more that they target known places where they congregate. They get their trucks and their vans there and they arrest everyone who has a dog. They might now and then see you on the streets. They might ignore you or they might try to arrest you. Uh, but most of the times, the most dangerous place for your dog is the place that there are a lot of other dogs as well. For a period of time, I actually had made an arrangement with another dog owner to take my dog for a play to their backyard every day for a few hours because they had and we didn't have one. But many of the dog owners don't take their dogs out for a walk period, never. Uh, and that's, that's, just, that's just really hard on dogs. Keeping a dog exclusively inside is difficult in many ways. Some have taught their dogs to just, I'm not sure uh, what word to use, poop. Just to poop on a piece of paper or in the bathroom or on a piece of clothing. 
I once tried to teach him uh, to do his pooping on a pad, but uh, he just kept his poops inside. Taking Kit Kat outside affects more than just his ability to go to the bathroom. It's important to Pedram that his dog gets exercise, and also the mental stimulation of seeing and interacting with the outside world. I think for a dog that is as outgoing as Kit Kat, it's almost impossible to just keep him inside. I think that just drives your life. I have uh, made changes began small just to increase the security of my dog when I'm taking him for a walk. When I'm choosing a home to rent, I should always consider where he should watch outside from. I should always ask other neighbors if they are okay with it. I should always see if there are any parks and fallback parks and green spaces and abandoned spaces that I can take my dog for a walk. That's kind of stressful and life-encompassing uh, as it's, it's a terrifying experience if you are in a street and watching cops getting near you. The biggest factor by far in keeping Kit Kat safe is when Padram takes him outside. Time that it's most dangerous to uh, take Kit Kat for a walk are the times that it's more crowded in parks. Even 11 p.m., they may even raid parks to capture dog owners and dogs. So I had to adapt a new time of the day for taking Kit Kat for a walk, and that was actually nights between about 1 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. That's the time that I rarely see police going around. It's always safer in the dark. When there is a, a light on, if there is a bright alley, if there is anything that can put you on the spotlight, it's something that makes you just extremely anxious, so you just avoid them. The darkness is always very comforting. And because my natural sleeping cycle is kind of nocturnal, it's kind of easy for me to do that. I just have to let my sleeping schedule to go to its natural rhythm, and I don't have any other obligations job-wise that prevents me from doing that. I'm doing my thesis right now, and I'm also a research assistant to uh, my professor, but those all are responsibilities that have flexible hours, and I can uh, do them basically uh, whenever I want. By taking Kit Kat out in the dark to avoid being seen by police, Pedram is able to give him up to three or four walks each night. But this also means that he goes a very long time without going out. Then he has to spend 18 hours to 19 hours not relieving himself. Pedram used to have access to an unlit field where he could take Kit Kat and feel relatively confident they wouldn't be seen. But that's no longer the case since he moved for his studies. And even though night feels safer, Pedram is still always worried that they'll be spotted. Kit Kat is really white and he's really visible uh, if any lights hit him, and he can make a lot of contrast with any background. Uh, so that makes him visible from far. 
Because of Kit Kat's light-colored fur, Pedram took to dressing him in his own black t-shirts that he would cut down to size. Although that's a calculated risk. If they're caught by the police, it could actually play against them. Because if they see that uh, you're actively trying to avoid them, if you're actively trying to make yourself invisible to them, they might be less forgiving. If they see the black clothes, they immediately can deduce that you are avoiding them. And that way, they might not be as so kind to just let you off with a warning. Pedram and his girlfriend studied maps of the area, trying to figure out where police come and go, including whether the streets go one or two ways, so they could figure out if they'd be able to see the police before they see them. Also, what are the hiding spots? Uh, what are the places that we cannot go? And we made a very specific route that we can take each night. She walks a few feet in front of me, scouting for any cop cars that might, uh, might come in our ways. On earlier walks, where there's more chance of being spotted, Padram's girlfriend will sometimes bring a black file box so they can hide Kit Kat in it before he's seen. He used to carry a gym bag if he was alone for the same purpose. That's not an option for many people. Maybe their dogs are too big. Honestly, don't know what they do. Some of them, I see them bringing their dogs just out of the door to see outside, and then they take them inside. Pedram has found that they need to pay attention to these other dogs inside their houses. At first, we didn't account for dogs in the houses and that uh, some of the residents put their dogs near the window. They might bark. In addition to camouflaging Kit Kat at night, Pedram is very particular about where they walk. He tries to stay in the shadows or behind hedges. Sometimes I just take him for a walk in the alleys around our house. Watching so hard for police, uh, you watch the walls, you watch the buildings for any sign of that reflection of the turning red lights on the cop cars. You try to handle the leash as close to the ground as possible. You try to blend to the trees. Hedges of box trees are really great covers and great comfort because you can just keep the leash down and keep walking and you don't look like as if you're walking a dog. The cops cannot see the dog, the cops cannot see your hand and they are really great at hiding you while at the same time not being uh, really suspicious. When you notice them, you just uh, rush to get there. And when you get out of that cover, I just, I sometimes push and pull my dog so that uh, we can get out of those bare areas that you can be visible. Hearing about all these strategies Padram uses just to walk his dog, it's a lot. But there's good reason for the lengths that he and other people with dogs go to to stay out of view. 
I had a friend that they raided a park they were in and they captured every owner and every dog and they put them in jail and they had to get a really good lawyer with experience from animal rights and things like that uh, to get their dogs back. There was once that the cop was trying to scare me and just shouted at me and told me that you're a criminal and I should just shoot your dogs. And then he said, you're lucky that I have more serious stuff to attend to. I regularly have been warned by police and sometimes they are polite, sometimes they are very intense. One time they actually wanted to take my dog and an old man came in between and tried to uh, mediate the situation uh, and thankfully we just uh, got off with a warning but that's not the same for many. I know of many dog owners that have lost their dogs. It's not really clear what they do with them. They might send them to big warehouses Recently, I've heard that they have released all the dogs somewhere at the corner of the city and it was reported in Twitter. People, they were asked to go there and see if they can find their dogs and if uh, they could also bring food and water because uh, they were just starving and uh, they were out of water. But Cops are humans too. It's not always that they are so cruel, but if you face a cop that is not so human, mentally speaking, it's really harsh for the dogs. And that's just cops. There are also people that are really, really harsh to dogs and they are uh, really scared of them and they might just ignore you or they might just murmur something about you or uh, they might start screaming at you or in a case they uh, made their children uh, throw a stone at my dog which I had to put my hand uh, in the way to not knock him out. It's really stressful and I have talked to one dog owner that I have met and she just started crying because of their neighbors putting poison on the ground of their apartment and she, she's just always scared of them pushing poison under the door to their home and uh, that, that's really stressful. But at the same time, they are just so, they, they are balls of happiness. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the danger. And, and so they, they're always happy. And uh, when you, you can't take them for a walk, you just feel, uh, it's just so emotionally hard because you can't tell them that uh, it's not that they have done something wrong or they should do something for you to take them for a walk. My dog sometimes sits because I trained him to sit when I'm putting the harness around him. He sits so that I can take him for a walk. I can't tell him that it's not something that he should do. It's for his safety. And and when he he becomes so sad and so depressed, it's it's just it's just. I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, just give me a second. These are things that I, I do every day, I, I don't know why I'm crying right now. I, this, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I, the hardest thing is that when you, you see how pure they are, how just in love and fascinated by humans they are, when you see how people are so cruel to them, it's just, it feels like we are betraying them and we are, I'm, 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 I don't know. This is the reality of loving another creature who you risk losing every day. Well, if you ever had a dog, you know that the dog becomes kind of like your child. You you always worry about him, you're always thinking of him, you, your decisions are always affected by your situation with your dog. And that's kind of the way that you think, but at the same time, they affect your life so deeply that you are just enchanted by them. Uh, maybe that's just me, but from other dog owners, I don't think that's just me. They are really a force for uh, happiness in your life. But in my country, it kind of mixes with periods of very stressful and anxiety-driven and, and always panicking uh, moments of being scared for your dog's life. You should always try to think if it's safe for him to go out now. Should I go this way or should I go that way? Pedram emailed me recently to let me know that there's a new bill in Iran backed by 75 representatives called the Bill of Protection Against Dangerous Animals. He said it makes it illegal to buy, sell, breed, walk, commute with, keep, import, and export any of the animals deemed dangerous by the bill. The list of animals starts with crocodile and leopard, but then quickly moves on to dogs, cats, rodents, rabbits, and turtles. He said it's unclear when the law might go into effect or how seriously it would be enforced, but that it would allow the government to come into people's homes and kill their pets without any complaints or justifications. He said it would make it even harder for him to find an apartment to rent where KitKat will be safe. It's all becoming too much. Because of that, I sort of decided for many years that I, I should migrate I'm mostly motivated by taking uh, my dog to uh, another country to just for him to be safe. I'm trying to apply for universities out of this country because you see, at the same time that dogs are under pressure, almost everyone's situation is getting worse and worse and it's much worse always for women as well. Pedram and his girlfriend talk about leaving Iran together is something that even if you, your situation is good, if the life and safety of everybody that you love is in danger, it's not a place that you have any comfort in. So we have decided that if she goes first, I will send the dog and I join them later. 
They're thinking of Europe because they'd have the best chance of being accepted to a university and getting financial help. Probably Germany or the Netherlands because of their areas of study. It won't be easy, but Padram says it's not really a hard choice to make. You know, when you don't have a dog and you have not made that close emotional bond with them, you might not see how far you are willing to go for them. Um, when you have a dog and uh, you get into the situation like the one that I'm in right now, it just becomes something natural for you to do to adjust your hours, adjust your life, to take him just f- for a walk because that's, that, that's, that's just a moment of uh, happiness. That's just the, the most beautiful creature in your life. It's depending on you mentally. That just comes naturally to you. It's not really uh, something to decide. Uh, it's something uh, that is decided when you made that close emotional bond. You just change your life, you just change your mindset, you just change the route, you just change anything that is needed for increasing their safety and ensuring that they get what they need. So we can just walk outside without the fear of losing the most important thing in your life. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to Padram for sharing your story. I hope that you and KitKat are able to stay safe and stay together. You can see a picture of KitKat at our website, nocturnepodcast.org, in the show notes for this episode. Consultation for this episode was provided by Nagar Murtazavi. She hosts the Iran Podcast, which features weekly conversations about Iranian politics, society, and culture. Support for this episode comes from StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a meaningful gift you and your family can treasure forever, and you can get started right away. Go to storyworth.com nocturne to get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com nocturne. Thanks to everyone who supports Nocturne on Patreon and PayPal. I'm so grateful for all your help. Extra special thanks to those who recently pledged on Patreon at the Happy Possum level, our highest level of support, including Stacey Shin, Kenshin Manabu, Sarah Jenkins Fleming, Brett Ashley, Anika Moltzhaman, Brooke Smith, and Sherry Muhlenberg. Find out how you can support Nocturne by going to nocturnepodcast.org support. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>